Hi, and welcome to the Let's Talk Healthy Pets podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Becker, Dr. Mercola's Chief Wellness Veterinary Consultant, and I'm excited to share with you the latest news about pet health to guide you in keeping your animal companions healthy, comfortable, and happy throughout their lives. My goal as a proactive vet is to empower pet owners to make knowledgeable decisions to extend the lifespan and well-being of their animals. If you're looking for more pet health tips, you can also subscribe to my free daily newsletter at healthypets.mercola.com. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and we have our next Game Changer nomination, Dr. Katie Kangas, an awesome integrative veterinarian, has nominated another blessed, amazing soul, Dr. Barry Sands, to be a Game Changer. And we're so thankful that Dr. Sands is joining us today to tell us a little bit more about who she is and how she got to practice um, and cultivate kind of a style of practice that is uniquely hers. So Dr. Berry, thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on your Game Changer nomination. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be here and I'm so grateful to have this opportunity um, to, to speak with you and, and chat and tell you a little bit about myself and, and how I, my evolution of my journey. When you were a little girl, did you know that you wanted to become a veterinarian or was it something that um, developed in you as you matured? You know, it's a really interesting question because um, I have, uh, as a child, I did not want to be a veterinarian. I didn't know what I wanted to be. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I, my, my world was filled with concrete and bricks and I had a few trees lining my street. Um, interestingly enough, there were ginkgo trees, which I later found out, which is amazing because they're the super oldest trees on the planet. And my vision was to work with dolphins. All my life, I wanted to work with dolphins. And we didn't really have dolphins in, in Brooklyn. We had an aquarium. And so I researched dolphins. I resonated with dolphins. And I went through all my, my trainings to become um, more... Uh, not so much in, in the realm of dolphins, but I was very drawn to neurology and I wanted to be a neuroscience. And then I wanted to study dreams and I wanted to study dolphin dreams. And, I, and it just sort of morphed into this whole situation. And as I went through college and applied for certain positions in research and PhD programs, it wasn't until the day I graduated when uh, I was upon the stage and walking to get my diploma, when one of my teachers asked me, he said, so what are you gonna do now? Mm-hmm. And I turned and looked at him. I said, you know what? I'm gonna be a veterinarian. And mm-hmm. it was just this moment. And I was like, you know what? I can be a veterinarian and I can work with dolphins. <laughs> and so yeah. that led me on this journey to become a veterinarian. Then I could work with dolphins and then I could go into neurology and then I could go backtrack my whole you know, mindset to begin with. And then as I went through school, um, got my, my DBM degree, I did an, an internship in small animal and, and uh, medicine and surgery. I went into private practice. I um, realized that, you know, it's more difficult to get, to be a dolphin veterinarian. There's a lot of a lot of things that you have to um, achieve and a lot of, 
it's a very small niche in the world of veterinary medicine to get into that kind of, uh, uh, of uh, realm. So mm-hmm. I decided that I wanted to become, um, I wanted to work in the emergency room department and I wanted to do a lot of ER because I was an adrenaline junkie and I loved the excitement. And so I got a position at this place at a specialty hospital here in San Diego that I work on the emergency critical care team. And it's a, a large hospital. It has specialists, internists. It has dermatologists, neurologists, uh, radiologists, um, internists, surgeons, and an, an emergency department. And so I was part of the emergency department. And I was there for a long time. I've, I'm, I'm still there. It's been 25 years. I've been in the same practice. and I. Uh, a lot of gifts um, that I'll share with you a little bit later on in the conversation. However, it was probably, um, I don't know, maybe about 10 years in to the practice where I decided that uh, I wanted to be, um, integrate my knowledge of, of more medicine. I wanted to expand out and become you know, more holistically minded in a sense learn acupuncture, learn herbology, just get more integrative in what I'm doing. And so that led to certification of acupuncture. And I feel like I'm jumping all over the place. I love that. But, but help me understand, first of all, I find it amazing that you've been able to do ER work for so long. That is the one type of medicine that I am not an adrenaline junkie. So just the thought, I have so much admiration for people that do emergency critical care because you, I, I just almost view you as being superhuman. And then to do it for as long as you have is amazing. But to me, it feels like maybe the counterbalance to that amount of st- stress would be developing an interest in maybe... Um, more lifestyle medicine or grounding medicine or, or medicine that doesn't require such a tremendous amount of adrenaline, which makes sense to me why you would maybe be interested in pursuing uh, other yeah. types of healing. So are, have you been able, it's interesting, I, I guess, have you, then did you, are you using those skills that you've developed post uh, veterinary school for seeing uh, clients, in a different type of practice, because, you know, it's emergency medicine and integrative medicine, although there can be some overlap, usually emergency medicine is you're trying to save a life that is critical right that hot second and herbs are not your go-to and maybe, maybe unibial, but other than that, I mean, not a ton and maybe some acute hypotensive homeopathics, but emergency medicine, you're dealing with really urgent situations and right. yet you've, de- you've developed this whole skill set. Um, that's incredibly diverse. Are you able to bridge those two or do, do you kind of have two different realms of practice now? Yeah, great question. So um, to backtrack a little bit of my history when I was so enthralled with dolphins and, and the world, I was, a very, I was a naturalist at heart. I was um, in a very intuitive child, um, very awakened you know, as a child, very, very um, in tune to the to the extrasensory perceptions as a child, and so that the realm of um, the unseen and the intangible and the dream realm was was very familiar to me, 
And so that aspect of myself was brought into mm, as I was navigating through the emergency room. And, you know, I practiced martial arts. I did Tai Chi. I did Kung Fu. I did a lot of meditations before I ended up in the ER. And so it was a natural progression for me to want to branch out and and get more training in integrative, you know, alternative medicine. And for me, the being in the emergency room is the um, is the pivotal point of conventional medicine. It's it's where conventional medicine is at its beautifulness, right? It's its greatest expression of itself is emergency medicine. And so there wasn't any discourse, you know, or a malalignment in the mindsets of the way we, we practice medicine. And so when I became trained in integrative medicine, I ended up in that same practice, carving out a couple of days a week where it was just strictly in my holistic practice. So since then, the hospital has an integrative service, which is me. <laughs> and um, it, so I do that on different days of, of the emergency. So I'm on emergency for a block of days and then I have my integrative practice. Um, actually, it's once a week right now. Wow, amazing, but really diversified cases and a lot of excitement and a lot of um, different ways to practice all the tools that you have acquired. That's, that's wonderful. Tell me the fact that your colleagues offered you a spot as an integrative practitioner, where you also practice emergency medicine, tells me that they automatically respect you and it was okay. But have you have you had any pushback from some of your conventional <laughs> colleagues that have wondered if you what what's happening? Oh yeah, well you, you know it's interesting that you, that you say they invited me or they opened up a spot for me. In actuality, in truth, um, I created the spot. And um, they basically allowed me to just gave me autonomy in the sense where, you know, I had this one day, I had this one room, I kind of worked alone for a little while because they, their mindset was, I don't know what she's doing, but we're going to allow her to do it. <laughs> and she's just going to do what she does. And little by little over the course of the, of the, you know, years, it's been 18 almost 18 years that I've had this holistic practice within, you know, the confines of this um, Western practice. Uh, and, you know, not everybody embraces it. I'd say most of them, um, they don't embrace it. They don't consider the practice as an integrative practice. Um, the sad thing is I don't get a, an awful lot of referrals from the internal hospital. Um, I get most of my referrals from other hospitals from around the area and from client word of mouth. And then there are some, you know, that refer, but it's really been a very small niche for me. And I, I, I more of a singular practice within this, you know, grander practice. I'm thankful, Barry, that they are respectful of you, that they're, that they let you be you and that they're respectful of you having the desire to offer integrative services. It is unfortunate that they're not, that they're not potentially helping their clients uh, see, have experienced the benefits of what you can offer, but it is wonderful that you are able to 
be able to practice as you wish a couple days a week and offer the services that you have to your clients and the clients in your area that are being referred. And that's, that's wonderful. When, when you get up in the morning, what do you love most about the type of medicine? You practice really diversified medicine. What do you love most about this really unique I don't want to call it a niche profession, but you've kind of created your professional life to fit and uh, be a, a synergistic aspect of who you are. You, it's not really work per se. It's you doing your passion and what you were meant to do. What do you love most about that? That's a good, that's a good question. Um, you know, in this year of 2020, it has been a year of an evolution of moving into one's alignment with your sole purpose and going into the emergency room for me um, has been an exciting realm almost as if it was like Christmas morning where you have all these presents that haven't been opened yet and you don't know what's in the box so it's a surprise every day was a surprise and I never knew what I was going to walk into which I love because that was part of my sort of the you know entering the unknown and the uncertainty, I embrace that. And so I feel really comfortable with that. And I'd like to, to move on the fly and you know, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, you just show up. And so that was always very exciting for me in the emergency room. Um, in my uh, integrative practice, you know, you know who you're going to see, you know, the clients are coming in and you have an appointment schedule. And, and but there was this other really deep connection that I get with the clients and it was a deeper mode of healing and appreciation and, and care. And so there was a very different emotional content between those two practices. Um, and honestly, I feel like after my holistic days, all my holistic days, um, I almost felt more, uh, more drained in a sense than opposed to working, you know, a 14 hour emergency shift because it was that much more of myself that I gave out to my clients. Um, so it was, it, it's, been, it's been very interesting. And honestly, uh, within this last year, it's becoming more and more apparent to me that there's gonna be a shift for me out of the emergency realm and into more of a, you know, an integrative or you know, holistic way of practicing. Wonderful, uh, at least from my perspective, wonderful. Uh, and do you find that you that you, if you've been practicing kind of 18 years with this incredibly great toolbox of everything you need for critical care and then this diversified toolbox for integrative care, are you finding that the desire in your area and Southern is the awareness of the body's innate ability to heal, as well as the supportive things we can do as integrative veterinarians to help support and unlock the healing potential. Are you seeing people have a, a better awareness of that in your area? Uh, I would say that, unfortunately, yes and no. Um, I feel like there's more people out there than want to let on that they feel that way. I think that the conventional veterinary community is um, shutting that down 
a little bit, but we're not so much shutting it down, but they're not opening a door to allow people to, to want to create wellness um, because the mindset is so much into the conventional mindset of like a pill or an ill and, you know, stuck on, on the certain diets that we prescribe from trainings that we've had in our, you know, conventional medicine trainings. And, and that's what led me to want to have my decision now to go forward and educate more people around wellness because in the emergency room, I've had a unique opportunity to be exposed to the human element of trauma. You know, it's not so much treating the animal from the trauma, it's treating the human from the trauma. Huh. And, and people have people come into the emergency room when their animals are in a crisis and they are at their most vulnerable, they're at their most rawest, rawest state of being. And so all the emotions of fear, anxiety, anger, frustration, irritability, all of those things come up and bubble up inside of them, the sadness. And uh, as ER veterinarians, we have to navigate through their emotions. Um, and that, the amount of uh, distress that people were under and the amount of inability that I saw for people to be able to manage their emotions in that space, um, and the, um, the, the amount of disease that has been precipitated by the way we've been practicing medicine. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. And the amount of money that people are willing to spend in, in an instant to save a life on, in a crisis, right? So putting all those things together you know, allowed me to take a step back and say, you know what, how can I change this situation? How can I help these people who will mortgage their homes because they, their animal has an acute pancreatitis or um, hemorrhagic gastroenteritis or, you know, seizures or some exacerbation of a chronic smoldering disease process. And now they're spending tens of thousands of dollars in a heartbeat, you know, on their animal. And Conventional medicine doctors are, we're going to put a bandaid on that. And then we're going to send them home to do exactly what they were doing before, just to come back later again. And it was hurting my heart to, to have this repetitive situation coming. And so because of that, that, that led me to think about, well, how can I help the humans? Right. So this whole other avenue that I'm, that I've been working with, and so I became a certified trainer and a coach for the HeartMath Institute. And I don't know, are you, are you familiar with the HeartMath Institute? So I sure am. I got my very first HeartMath program in 2004 when they had the old pulse oxes, like, like device that you would hit, that you would hook on. I am very familiar with it. And I um, originally got the HeartMath program for some kids I was fostering to help them, uh, what I thought would help six and seven-year-olds learn a brain-body connection. And what uh -huh. it helped was the 31-year-old get her brain-body connection. But yes, I, in my desire to help others uh, learn that connection, I was able to realize how beneficial heart math was in my life. So I'm very familiar. But for people that aren't, Barry, would you just walk walk uh, our listeners and readers through what heart math is. Mm. 
So the HeartMath is a, well, it's an institution, first of all, and it's an institution that was founded in 1991. It's a research scientifically based um, facility that has spent the last 30 years researching the intuitive innate nature of the heart and the intelligence that, that we have within ourselves, ultimately to be able to connect our, our hearts and our minds in a coherent state where we become so aligned in our physiology that our sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system, endocrine, immune um, uh, systems are all in alignment to create a total body wellness. Mm-hmm. And there have been over 300 you know, scientific journals that have been written and countless studies that are just focusing on heart physiology, neurocardiology, psychoneuroimmunology, and how our emotions and our thoughts affect our physiology in such a profound way that it really can either upregulate or downregulate, you know, genes to create wellness in that epigenetic kind of forum. And so the Basically, the teachings of HeartMath is to teach what's called that coherent state, you know, to get in that mind, body, heart, brain alignment to create that resonance inside of ourselves. Are you teaching then people part of part of your holistic practice is really then helping on looking at family health, looking at the health of the pet parents and the pets, but making sure that the guardians of the dog or cat coming to you are also in a state of health, or at least looking at the fact that their well-being plays into their the uh, the well-being of their home. The entire energy of their home is is their energy is a part of their home energy, which is an, a part of their pet's energy. And if they can remain in a state of balance and alignment that is better for their better for everything in the home. Are you using heart math then as a part of your integrated practice? Um, not as much as I'd like to right now. I would that that's one of the things that I'm I'm working on orchestrating. Yeah. And interestingly enough, you know, being on the emergency service and seeing like, you know, thousands of, of clients, you know, coming in, because I'm not the only uh, you know, the six, there's at least six or seven of us. Um, and what I have, what I've witnessed in my, in the, you know, 30 years of being on the ER service is that there's this uncanny um, phenomenon where the animal, mostly dogs, will show up with the same disease as the human. Yeah. And yeah. It, it breaches itself beyond anxiety and stress levels. It's, it's very specific things like um, brain tumors or immune mediated thrombocytopenias, um, pericardial effusions, uh, kidney uh, tumors on certain organ systems, you know, and, you know, diabetes, atrial fibrillation, like countless times I've had clients that say, oh, I have that. You know, oh, my dog has a, a tumor on his kidney. Oh, I just had a tumor on my kidney removed two weeks ago. <laughs> You know, and things like that were just on and on and on. And then, you know, you probably, as you know, you know, if you ask a vet, uh, an integrated veterinarian, have you ever noticed that a lot of your 
um, patients have the same disease as their clients because our clients like to share with us. And the answer was always, uh, yes, of course, yes, I, I see that. And I took a step back and said, well, that is a very interesting thing. Why is that? How is that happening? How are we becoming biologically relevant to each other from an interspecies communication? You know, how is that happening? And, you know, through the, the research done from the HeartMath Institute, and as I'm delving into more esoteric realms of energy medicine and, and epigenetics, it's become very apparent that the mode of transmission is through the emotional frequencies and the electromagnetic frequencies that we are putting out into our animal. And then I asked, well, if the clients knew that they had such a profound effect on their animal's physiology, would they change themselves to help their pets? And I think the answer to that would be yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a very profound, it's an elegantly profound thing to contemplate. And I would agree with you, yes. And I would go one step further, Barry. I think it's it's a potential that people that may never seek the desire to make themselves well because they don't feel worthy themselves to become well, right. they might consider making themselves healthier if they were aware that their illness was also making their pets less well. And so the, the inspiration to become better would be because I, I don't want to do this to my dog or cat. And that right. um, I, I tell people that health can travel up the leash. And sometimes the desire, we don't have a desire to care for our own cartons or souls, but if we knew that our well-being was intimately connected to the thing we love most, we might reconsider. So I think it's a really beautiful, uh, thought process to work the equation. And I'm really, I hope that you are wildly successful in this new approach to helping whole health homes become truly healthy. Because I think that potentially people that might not consider thinking about their own well-being would if they knew how intimately it was connected to their animal's well-being. Right. And that's exactly what I was thinking. That's what drove me into that, into yeah. the first place, you know, in, in your integrative practice, you, know, you recommend home cooking and good diets and nutrition and lifestyle changes for the animals. And I've had clients turn around and say, oh, you know, I took my dog some salmon and quinoa and, and broccoli and kale for a meal. And I'm eating McDonald's, exactly. <laughs> you know, can I eat that too? And I'm like, well, of course you can't, you, you know? <laughs> and so I, I totally agree with that. And that was where I was, you know, that was the driving force. You know, if yeah. they knew they care about themselves more because of their animals. And then we'd have this global wellness and healing from, you know, humans and animals. And animals. And so in light of COVID, are you doing some Zoom consultations, Dr. Berry? Are you, how are you able to connect with, if, if someone listening or reading this information says, this makes total sense to me, and I do have the same condition as my dog or cat, and I would like to learn more, how do people, how would people get in touch with you to be able to, to potentially learn more? Yeah, well, I do, I have a website, 
Um, so during this year of COVID, it allowed me to really focus on building up my website as my platform. And it's drberrysands.com. And on that, uh, on the website, there is a survey that I am wanting, you know, as many people as I can to take. And the survey, it's a 10 question survey that um, starts to investigate the, you know, the sort of the meta analysis of is this happening and who's it happening to and, and some of the details. And so, you know, people can take the survey and say, you know, have you ever experienced, have you and your pet ever experienced the same disease condition, you know, past or, you know, or present? And then you answer yes or no. You answer yes, then you take the survey, you know, and there's like a, you know, a free, a free download for um, optimum wellness for you and your pets as a gift for taking the survey. So the more people that I can get to, to take the survey, the more information I can have, the more research I can start. And so um, if, if the more, like I said, it, the more traffic I get to take that survey would be awesome to start. And there's also on the website, a little um, place where you can, you can set, sign up for an interest in um, trainings and uh, little and webinars online and so it's it's kind of new for me, I have to admit, and but I'm navigating through it, and you know my comfort level around Zoom and you know digital world is 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 growing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an evolution, and and but yes, they it, I will um, I am offering that kind of trainings, you know, for people. Yeah, going to be embarking on more studies as well. Well, I love the fact that readers and listeners that recognize, you know what, I could help you collect the information you are looking for to be able to get uh, get this type of data to be able to learn more about this connection that we know is there. But as you said, we would want to study more and learn more, but that also gives pet parents an opportunity to be able to potentially do some reflection on why that is as well. And, and the mechanisms behind why our family units are intimately connected energetically and what that means for health and disease. So what a lovely new platform you have created this year. Congratulations on that. And this unfolding of this new chapter of your professional career, uh, yet again, really diversified from what you've done before, but really nice um, and a great gift to our integrative community. Barry, if there was one thing you would want the world to know, what would it be? Well, especially now, the one thing that I would want the world to know is that there is hope and there is a, a beautiful evolution that is going to take place eventually um, when we kind of navigate ourselves out of the, the murkiness and the haze and the confusion and the, you know, um, there's a rebirthing, I feel, of that humanity is gonna go through and it's going to be a very, very beautiful thing. And it's, it's, we're just going through the cocoon phase right now, you know, to re, to, to get rid of old patterns and old beliefs. And we're going to, and we're sitting quietly in this primordial ooze of our cocoon, breaking down 
and allowing our um, those imaginary cells to take root and to propagate into a new life form, you know, as such as the butterfly. It's truly an emergence, I believe, of human consciousness. And that's going to lend itself to animal wellness, human wellness, and, and a collectivity that we haven't seen, and I don't even know ever. And, and so, you know, really my, the message is that just hang in there. It's going to, it's just hang in there, get in touch with yourself, go within um, and really connect with that truth inside of you that is always connected to that higher source and that higher power. And that's going to lead us into this much more beautiful future. Hmm. White words. And I think important right now, especially in the year that the world has just experienced, um, sometimes getting knocked out at the knees allows us, gives us time to regroup out of desperation. But hope is something, and the chance to do it, um, to become different in a better, more positive way that allows us to come out of this more unified and diversified, but also with a brand new perspective, I think is really important. And I love the fact that you are having new thoughts and then formulating a new a new chapter of your of your professional life around how you can best serve the people in your community by honoring what's coming to you in terms of what is growing and passionate inside of you. So I think you're doing a fantastic job of applying what you're learning through your own experience to those around you, including the animal kingdom and the guardians caring for those blessed souls. I love that Dr. Katie nominated you and congratulations on your Game Changer Award. It's been wonderful to spend this time with you, learn more about all that you're doing. I'm excited after you've had a couple of years to collect your research, I'll be excited to check back in with you and see what you've learned. You will have enough data points over the next two to five years to be able to collect some really interesting information that I'll be interested in following up with you down the road. So good luck with this project. And thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, it was it was really it was fun and it was a blessing. So much really. gratitude.